as an innovator, somebody that has this vision of what needs to be done to provide business value, it's important to understand what are the potential outcomes of these technologies so that you can work towards your business outcome. So for example, IoT is just a way of gathering real world signals from the street so that you can get data to make business decisions. That's all it is, right? ML, it's a way to process a ton of data so you can make decisions. And so you think about it like that, all of a sudden you step out of the hype and the technology into what is the problem we're trying to solve? What kind of data do we need? And then you partner with your engineering counterpart. It's like, hey, VP of engineering, how do we do this? I'm, I don't care what how you do it, but this is what, what we yeah. need as an outcome, yeah. right? Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us again. I hope you're having a great week. A little while ago, maybe a month or two ago, we had Daniel Elizalda on our podcast, and he was talking about B2B innovation. And in fact, the book he had written about, which was the B2B Innovators Map. And it was great discussion. And we were talking in there about IoT, Internet of Things. And he was using that as some examples. But you know, there's there's so much more to the story around IoT innovation that Daniel said he'd come back and talk to us about that. So here he is. So welcome back to the show, Daniel. Thank you so much, Paul. It's a pleasure being here. Really enjoyed our first conversation and I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, I did as well. A lot of people enjoyed that conversation. We've got good comments on it. So thanks for coming back. How's, I guess you're probably moving out of summer into fall where you are now, right? Yeah, in, in Austin, we don't have such things, you know, we're just <laughs> moving from hot to a little bit less hot, less. so yeah, it's still very hot, but yeah. it's, uh, it is good. We're, we're now getting like 85, 90 degree days, which are comfortable. There you go. You're not going to be down your way. I just was thinking about that in November for a conference. We should, we should meet up. Let's do that. Definitely. I'm here. Yeah. Definitely. I'll let you know. Okay. So, you know, you had uh, shared last time some of your background in, in, in Internet of Things. But when you think about that, it's a fascinating story of it kind of came out of nowhere and it's, it's everywhere now. But, you know, just share some thoughts around IoT innovation. Of course. And uh, a lot of my background has been on IoT, whether kind of I looked for it or not. And then at some point I just embraced it. And uh, I have an engineering background. And my first job was a company called National Instruments doing manufacturing automation. And it turns out that that autom manufacturing automation had to do with these computers that had a lot of sensors to acquire data from the production line, produce a lot of information, and then we had to process that on the fly, maybe sometimes centralize it into some other server so we can use it to make decisions. So it turns out that even when I started my career, I was working on IoT. We just didn't call it that. So I, I like to joke around that I, I've been working in IoT since before it was cool. <laughs> before it, it was IoT. Of, yeah. Before it was IoT, right? It has had a lot of names like M2M, machine to machine, or telematics, or different industries, right? At some point, the term Internet of Things came around. Um, I forget the, the, the name of the person who coined the name, Ryan. And excellent book he wrote about the topic. And 
the, the reality is that IoT is simply a network of connected devices that help us link the physical world with the digital world. So when we think about a lot of the innovation tracks and trends that we see out there, a lot of it has to do with digitization, becoming digital. Well, for companies that deal with the physical world, part of that digitization is acquiring signals from the real world. And so that, in essence, that is what IoT is, is that set of devices with hardware, software, sensors that acquire data so that you can move into the digitization. And it's sometimes difficult to think, well, I mean, nobody's doing that. But if you think about it, we live in a physical world. So talk about transportation, energy, water, buildings, cars, airplanes, supply chains, manufacturing, all of that has to do with digitizing the physical world. And therefore, they are booming industries for this concept of IoT. Right, right, right. So we as consumers think of it because we have connected devices now, right? A lot of them are connected, probably in ways that five or 10 years ago were not possible, right? Because everybody has Wi-Fi in their house now, right? So that's the consumer side. Now, I know, but you've been thinking a lot about the B2B side of IoT. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes, the, the B2B side is... It's actually way bigger, and that is where a lot of the companies are making money because the issue with the consumer side of IoT, and, and I just to step back a little bit, right? A lot of my background has been teaching IoT at Stanford. I was vice president, head of IoT at Ericsson. I do advisory and consulting for climate tech, mostly on IoT. So like my career has been around this, right? So I've, I've, I've been around it, and I've, I've seen a lot of it. It's not that I just read an article and I'm here. Right, exactly. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, very good point. <laughs> Thank you. And so wh where I was going with that is that I talked to a lot of people in the consumer space. And the challenge with the consumer space is that it's mostly a convenience-based, right? And we've seen all these crazy applications of the connected toaster that tells you when your toast is ready. Or like in my Stanford classes, I, I sometimes start with some of those applications like this water fountain that tells you how much water your cat is drinking because <laughs> who hasn't had that problem, right? And so the challenge with consumer IoT is that it is based on convenience. There are some home animation things like alarm systems, like monitoring of solar panels, like those kind of things that they have usefulness. On the B2B side, it is more prevalent because they actually serve a business purpose. They help you with managing and monitoring your physical processes so that you can make decisions. So typical applications, tracking of devices in real time. So if you're in supply chain, if you're in delivery, you can know where things are around the world in real time. Predictive maintenance is a big thing, right? One of the things that I've done quite a bit is, is this idea of predictive maintenance. It's what if instead of just doing maintenance on a big piece of equipment every six months and hope for the best, the, the piece of equipment itself could tell you, and I'm doing air quotes here, that it needs maintenance. So you can prepare, you can schedule it, you can be ready for it with the parts. And so that's where the Internet of Things comes in. If you're able to add connected devices to, let's say, a rotating machinery in a factory, and then you can be monitoring for vibration and you can gather all that data 
use some analytics, maybe some machine learning, analyze all that data, and you can say, you know, this machine is going to fail three months from now. I better order the parts. I better schedule the maintenance and the downtime. And in the most advanced systems, you know, the, the, the system itself orders a part, the system itself orders maintenance, the system itself tells you that it's need to shut down. Right? So that's the whole idea. So the value that you can retrieve from most B2B setups, it, it hits the bottom line. And so that's why there's a lot more money and a lot more proliferation in those areas, right? Yeah, yeah. Now you mentioned um, data, bringing data back. How much data are we talking about here? Because, you know, it's, it could be mountains of data, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, we're talking about a lot of data. And a lot of what I, what I teach and advise companies when we are in the early processes of, of defining innovation through IoT is that you have to understand the problem that you're trying to solve. And therefore, you have to have a data strategy, meaning what data you need in order to make the decisions that you are going to do, right? And then that informs the types of sensors that you're going to have in your hardware. And then you need to do an analysis of like how much data you're actually going to produce. Because like you said, you can produce mountains. And so there's a cost in transmitting that data through the wire. There is a cost in storage that data. There is a cost in mining that data. So unless you have all these variables and, and you're focused on the ultimate outcome, is making business decisions, then you're going to be struggling a lot, right? Because one of the interesting things about IoT today is that the technology itself has advanced a lot. So you can go to Amazon and buy a you know Raspberry Pi board or a particle board that comes with Wi-Fi, and you know for twenty dollars you can start producing megawatts of data <laughs> an hour. Right? And so it's very easy to generate yeah. tons of data. So you have to have a strategy as part of your innovation approach. Yeah. How how much of that strategy do you need to be, have it totally figured out up front? Or, or is it an iterative thing? For example, let's say the, the temperature that the device is operating in, the, the environmental temperature. You don't think about including that, but then later down the road, you say, you know what, we could do a lot better if we knew how what the room temperature was. So you add that later. How how is that feasible to think that way? Um, you know what? That is actually a slippery slope. And one of the things that that get a lot of people working on innovation with IoT is the fact that you have a hardware component. The approach that you just mentioned works great if you're software only, because you can update the software, push it to the cloud, it gets propagated everywhere. When you're dealing with hardware, we have these mechanisms called over-the-air updates where you can actually push software updates to your hardware just like that. But your hardware has to have the temperature sensor or it has to right. have the vibration sensor. Otherwise, yeah. it's not only about the cost of adding the sensor itself, but you actually have to send somebody to replace the device and, and doing a truck roll, as we call it. That's very expensive and very time-consuming. So that's why as part of defining your data strategy, it's very important to understand what data you will need. And oftentimes what happens is either you build it modularly or you put the hardware in place and you don't activate it until you actually need it. And we've seen that in a lot. That's actually my recommended approach, but we can see it even in Tesla cars. I mean, 
If you think about it, a Tesla car is an IoT device, right? It's a piece of hardware with a ton of sensors that streams a lot of data to a centralized location. And sometimes they have a lot more hardware than they, that you get on day one because they are figuring out the software, they're figuring out the business model, but when they're ready, they can just turn it on and the hardware is there. So that's a very important part of dealing with a hardware software world is that your planning is a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, leave, leave a placeholder. But uh, so, so the data, the data strategy obviously is key in a production environment. I mean, what are some of the ways that that data gets back? I mean, we all know as consumers that we have Wi-Fi in our houses, right? And then you've got a the consumer can't set it up and it can't connect the device. It's a nightmare. I think in a business, the B two B world, it's a little, probably a little bit better. But what are some of those you know things people uh, businesses go through when they want to? to start bringing data back? How did it get started? I mean, did they call up Ericsson or what do they do? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, that's a really interesting thing, right? Because a lot of the devices are going to be wireless. And so if you are trying to connect a, let's say a whole warehouse and have a lot of tracking devices going around the warehouse to figure out where packages are, that's great, but you need to have some sort of wireless network within the warehouse. And Wi-Fi is the, the cheapest one, but it has a lot of limitations. Um, there's new standards coming up like Wi-Fi 6 that have less limitations. But the problem is when you want to go outside the building, if you want to do it in transit, what do you do? And so this is where this cellular technology has really revolutionized and, and enabled an innovation platform for the IoT world because IoT now, IoT devices now come with cellular and they can, you can actually buy a cellular SIM card and you can you can connect and, and you can go anywhere in the world. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but basically now you can have connectivity as you go around. And, and the interesting thing is that your data strategy will dictate that because it has to do with costs. And so you might not need 5G because you might not need the, the latency or the throughput requirements, maybe 3G is okay, and so it costs less, but did you have to know how much data you're gonna send, what are the requirements, where you're going, et cetera. And so the the connectivity revolution with, you know, from 2G, 3G, 4G, 5G now, has enabled IoT to, to become mainstream, because now the ability to send data from remote devices, it's to some extent solved. Gotcha, gotcha. And there, I'm, I am assuming there's all sorts of service level agreements around it that you you set in place, right? Exactly. And and one of the things that you have to think about going back to innovation, data strategy, is that moving data from devices to your centralized location, let's say a cloud, or even if you have edge compute, that costs money. Somebody's going to have to pay that, right? And if you're doing cellular, then you're paying a premium. So you have to make sure that your business model supports the cost of operation. So therefore, you know, you have to have the calculations. I'm going to send this much data per device per day, and I expect this many devices in the field. So that's going to be this much. Can my business model support it? How do I create pricing packages to, depending on the amount of data, all those things, right? That, that sometimes if you're doing just software innovation, can't even yeah. think about right. You the data just shows that. up. You put it in your iPhone; <laughs> it just happens to get there. Right? Yeah, here yeah. it's a difference. And so, the economics of a successful IoT product 
very, very, very different. You're dealing with hardware, you're dealing with expensive connectivity, and then you got to make sure that the value that you are going to get out of the data you're retrieving through your IoT device enables a business model that is lucrative enough. Right, to make right, right. So you need help, I'm sure. This is not something that, you know, okay, let's do it and you get going. There's a lot to it. So people like you are out there to help other people figure this out, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a great point because a lot of the companies that I advise we start the conversation from a very technical perspective, right? How do you connect the device? How can you stream data? IoT is no longer a technical or a technological problem, right? It's, it's very doable to deploy these devices to acquire all the data you want and process it at the edge in the cloud with machine learning. That's all quote unquote easy. Now, the hard part is the strategy, like what data do you put in? What is your business model? How do you deal with regulations? How about security? How about operations? And so that is the more holistic approach that I help my clients with is the overarching product strategy that you need around your IoT initiative for it to be lucrative. And um, in my book, the, the B2B yeah. Innovators Map, I talk a lot about that. Exactly. But then in my in my other classes that I teach at Stanford in my practice are specifically for IoT because there's a lot of components that in my book I talk about six stages of innovation, the last three stages being solution planning, prototyping, and early adopters, which is really pilots. When you're dealing with IoT, I have all sorts of frameworks to say, how do you actually do solution planning right. in IoT? How do you actually do prototyping in IoT and so on? Right? So it's a, it's very interesting. It's a business and product management problem, not necessarily a technology problem at this point. Yeah, and that's that's good to hear. That's good to hear because the technology risk is is could just lead to all sorts of problems. So if that's off the table, right now it's okay. It's it's thing we can talk about. What industries do you see? Industries that aren't yet IoT but are are heading in there. I'm thinking like food and beverage. I'm thinking you know all these these other industries out there that may may or may not have the connected products yet. How do you see that that shaping? Is it changing? Do you see you know new industries coming on board? Yes, I see a, a, a lot of industries coming on board. I mean, like I said, I've been doing this for over 20 years, so I see now a lot more industries embracing these concepts. And my bet out there a few years back was that, you know, certain years from now, we're not going to call them IoT products. They're just products. And it's because everything is going to tend towards this connectivity. And so there are industries that are seeing a um, better leverage of this technology because they have the problems that this technology is intended to solve, like tracking things and monitoring things and acting on remote things. Other industries don't and and they're fine right you, you don't have to do it my focus as, as we discussed last time is on climate tech so technology that is focused on helping uh, reducing the climate crisis and because climate is a physical slash digital problem iot is really really taking shape here because you know from how we produce let's talk about energy how we produce energy to transmit energy to use energy to electric cars to renewables to energy storage all that requires a level of visibility management and orchestration that is it's like perfect opportunity for iot to deliver real real value sure sure so things like because you have iot you can be more energy efficient 
as an example, right? Or you could be more reduce emissions because you have the IoT. Without it, you can't. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's some examples that are a little bit obscure, but they're, I think, are fascinating, right? I was reading a, a very interesting article in uh, Canary Media, which one of the main outlets for clean technology. And they're talking about how one of the challenges of adding so much new electricity requirements in our grid is that there's just not enough capacity to move it around. There's not enough wires. Well, it turns out that you can put sensors and a controller on the wires themselves, and you can determine their capacity in real time. So if it's cold and it's windy, they can transmit 20% more. And if it's hot, they can transmit less. And so you can actually throttle and unthrottle, if that's a word, that's uh, right in real word. time. And so yeah. that, that creates an added capacity of the existing infrastructure that you already had just because you have an IoT component that can tell you those characteristics in real time. And so it, that's a good example of saying, if I were to know, if I had the sensors and the, and the data to understand the characteristics of wires in real time, what extra value could I do? Well, I could process all that and I can sell it to a utility that says, now throttle more, now unthrottle, now you can do this, now you can do that. So those are examples of it's like, oh, the wires have all been there, but because you can leverage IoT, you can start unclogging all these very difficult problems that we have uh, and saving millions and millions and millions in, in capital expenditure, right? Because if you can, with a, sens a few sensors and some software, you can increase the capacity of transmission lines by 20%. Whew. That's an amazing example. I never heard that example. That's phenomenal. And what you're doing is you're, you know, engineering limits of products were set with, with, because you didn't have that information. You couldn't do that, right? So you're extending those engineering limits. Exactly. And there's some other fascinating examples. For example, the insurance industry has had some clever ways of saying, we can put a little IoT device in your car, we can track your driving patterns, and then we can determine your true risk. And then your, your the price of your insurance policy can be altered month by month because of the level of risk. And so now, because you have the data of, in real time to know things like driving patterns or the, the condition of electric lines, then you can make very different decisions that you did before because you were working with static data. Yeah, right, right. And assumptions, yeah. You mentioned machine learning. So that's always something that everybody sits up at the edge of their chair, machine learning. Give some examples of machine learning around IoT. Yeah, so the way I think about this is that oftentimes there's, there's multiple camps, right? There's like the people that are like IoT and cloud and machine learning and AI. But in reality, what I see is a continuum, right? Machine learning, it's a way of processing vast amounts of data and come up with patterns and, and, and ways to figure out complex problems. Guess what? IoT produces a tremendous amount of data. In some cases, it just makes sense to process that data through machine learning because creating the actual equations would be too hard. So let's let's put another approach. Let's do machine learning and learn how the system behaves, right? I've seen examples where you can, for example, put it IoT devices to monitor the energy consumption of a building. So if you were doing traditional math 
on on the output of that, you can just get some basic curves. But if you put some machine learning with all the data, all of a sudden you can understand the patterns and you can you can learn how the building behaves. And so a lot of more advanced IoT systems use machine learning to learn how their particular asset that they are controlling behaves so that they can control it and orchestrate it better. Right. And so sometimes it's really hard to just kind of train all these different devices. Well, put machine learning, self-train-ish. I'm making, again, being quotes because it's not as easy as it sounds. Right, right. But that's that's how they all fit together, right? It's like machine learning, it's just a, it's, a, it's another tool that crunches a ton of data. If you have a ton of data with not very cohesive patterns, machine learning could be a tool that can help you. But ultimately, the goal is not to use machine learning. The goal is to get to the decisions or the data that's going to give you the power to make the business decisions that you need. I think that's really wise. Focus on the goal, not the not the machine learning just for machine learning's sake, right? Yeah, I've actually talked to uh, like some CEOs tell me it's like Daniel, we need your help. We need AI strategy, and I'm like, and to do what? <laughs> right. I don't know. You tell us. And it's like, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. But there is a lot of that right now. There's a there lot is, of, there uh, is. you know, sometimes it's easier to get investment if you say, here's our AI strategy, right? Right. But, and it's interesting because these are very complex engineering topics and sometimes they get just super hyped. But I think as a, as an innovator, somebody that has this vision of what needs to be done to provide business value, it's important to understand what are the potential outcomes of these technologies so that you can work towards your business outcome? So for example, IoT is just a way of gathering real world signals from the street so that you can get data to make business decisions. That's all it is, right? ML, it's a way to process a ton of data so you can make decisions. And so you think about it like that, all of a sudden you step out of the hype and the technology into what is the problem we're trying to solve? What kind of data do we need? And then you partner with your engineering counterpart. It's like, hey, VP of engineering, how do we do this? I'm, I don't care what how you do it, but this is what, what we yeah. need as an outcome, yeah. right? Great advice. They can decide whether you need it, right? We covered a lot of ground here, Daniel. We talked about you know, the value, the challenges, the approaches, the business models. It was this was a fascinating discussion. Did we miss something that, that maybe was at the top of your mind? Said Paul, you should have asked about that or anything like what did we miss? Oh, great. Uh, well, yeah, it was a great conversation, Paul. Thank you so much. One area that I think I, I is very important to point out as you're thinking about innovation in IoT is cybersecurity. Okay. Because the fact that you have physical devices, you open a new vector of attack that has very different implications. One of them is because these devices are at hand's reach. Like people can actually tinker with it. And I've had, I've had situations where people like steal your hard drives and things like that, right? So that's one aspect. But the other aspect is that these items, because they interact with the physical world, they can cause real harm. So if somebody hacks into a car and drives it to a wall, that could kill people. And so when you're working with IoT, security must be at the heart of your considerations even early on. And in my classes, by using my, my framework, which I can send you, we can put in the notes, the IoT decision framework, I include how do you make decisions about your users, your data strategy, your business strategy, your technology strategy, and then your cybersecurity strategy. Because 
it could break the whole thing, right? You can actually call, cause real, real harm. And once those devices are out there, if you didn't take the right precautions, it's really expensive and really hard to, uh, to, to bring them back. And, and the harm is real. So that's one very, very important thing. It's a great thing. I, I, I know cybersecurity from the software side and there, you know, there's two aspects to it. One is what's the attack points. And as soon as somebody can physically get to a device, it's like it goes way up in terms of, of risk, right? And the second one is you always think, well, there's no way that somebody's going to crash my computer system by typing in some text in a, an entry field, but there's so many examples of, of buffer overruns and all sorts of techniques that totally compromise, and it's where all these security attacks are coming from on the software side. So that's a very good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and, and one thing that, that to think about is it's not only about the physical harm and, and the, the harm to your device, but usually if you're a vendor of IoT solutions, um, they can use your device the path to get into the system of your host. So let's say that you're installing IoT devices at a hospital where they can get through your devices to the hospital or, you know, and there's there's documented cases of that happening. And so hackers are always looking for the weakest point of entry to a system. And so there, if, if they if you have a press release that says we, we have Walmart as a client, they're going to be trying to see how they can break into your thing to get into Walmart. Yeah, so very, very that. important. And it's an area where I always get a lot of pushback from from leaders. And it's like, eh, we'll deal with it later. It's it's there's no later in security. <laughs> Very good advice. Very good advice. Well, Daniel, this was fascinating. Thanks for stopping by and, and chatting. I I didn't know it was going to be this rich. This was an, a a great conversation. There's so much to it. And and obviously, you know, you've got the IoT framework. We'll put a link in the notes. We've got your book, which is kind of a great introductory text. You're doing classes, you're out there consulting. So this is, this is great. And I think I probably asked this the last time, but I'll ask it again. Maybe there's listeners who didn't hear the last one. What's the best way to kind of get a hold of you and follow what you're doing and keep track of you? Yeah. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me, have me again. Always great conversations. I'm very passionate. So I can talk for hours with you. And as far as, as my work, you can get everything on my website. So it's danielelisalde.com. And then my book, The B2B Innovators Map, you can also go to b2binnovator.com. That takes you to the book page on my website and you can download a free chapter there. There you go. Great, great. Well, thanks for sharing that. And again, I I, uh, I really appreciate you coming by, Daniel. Have a great rest of your summer or fall or wherever we are right now. And do keep in touch. <laughs> Will do. Thank you for the opportunity, Paul. Always a pleasure. Yeah. To your listeners, that was fascinating. I, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And you can see we just scratched the surface. As, as Daniel said, you can talk for hours on this, but unfortunately, we don't have hours with you. But we had 30 minutes and we really appreciate your time. I wish you all a great week ahead. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.